Hello there, welcome back to the Daniel Rosal podcast, episode number 19, and it is I, Daniel Rosal, bringing this episode to you from my home office in Jerusalem at approximately 2 in the morning for anybody following me on YouTube YouTube and podcasts, and this podcast is probably getting a sense for just how uh, bad my sleep schedule has been for like a very, very long time, gotten considerably worse, it must be said, since I discovered the vice of caffeine pills which it which are dangerous things they're like cups of coffee compressed into a tiny tablet um but that being said i'm just on a kind of sort of mental high from the last few days because it's been a crazy crazy few days i woke up today to what looked like the equivalent of a, of an apocalypse in my inbox with about I don't know even know how many messages come about two or three different things. So I, I was on Irish television last night reporting from Israel about the pandemic. And um, it's always surprising how even from like being on TV for two minutes and it was literally just a two minute clip. It dredged up like people who I haven't spoken to in 10 years getting in touch through. It, it was it was crazy this morning, like literally read it. Twitter DMs, Facebook messages, emails, uh, emails, WhatsApps. Um, it was almost like everybody I'd known for the last 10 years and forgotten about uh, decided to get in touch all at once. And I woke up, I woke up from, I pulled a, I badly needed sleep yesterday. Um, and I, I'm not joking about these caffeine pills. I, I'm, I'm trying to keep it rel- relatively moderate. My, my moderation technique is probably not as moderate as it could be, but um, I, I really needed sleep, but I ended up sort of... Um, the RTE broadcast went out at about 12, and I ended up staying up till about 6 in the morning and getting up at about 1 in the afternoon. Uh, so 7 hours of sleep, which wasn't bad, but it wasn't enough to sort of uh, pay off my sleep debt for the past four days of sleeping very little and uh, I just woke up to this like explosion of communications and just spent about eight six hours on my computer trying to deal with my life between my uh, professional stuff going on and and projects with clients um, and uh, these the reaction to my writing uh, i wrote a piece about a fiverr um i don't even know what what the word a course course someone selling a course on fiverr who came out in an interview with cnbc this week about having made supposedly almost 400k um 400,000 usd us dollars and uh, i wrote a piece about that that was sort of started going viral yesterday and continued going viral today and getting emails from whistleblowers you could say about that and medium reactions and people contacting me because of the rte piece and clients contacting me relatives contacting me it was it was absolutely madness today uh so i was caught in a time warp i was about to tweet and i'm kind of like self-censoring on twitter because i always uh I don't want to come across as uh, too weird, but I was about to say it, today genuinely felt like my my home office was like Narnia. It was like some some magical box. I like stepped in here at about two o'clock. Um, I felt like I just responded to a few emails and dealt with like the you know like the immediate. It wasn't strategic. Like I wasn't like planning the next year of my work life. It was just 
fighting fires and uh dealing with whatever all this response and then so i was like yeah it's probably about like four o'clock i should probably eat and i looked at the i looked at the clock and it was like half nine at night i was like what so um i was going to tweet my home office is like it's like a time vortex um and i've just stepped out of the vortex but it's very fun i stepped out of the vortex and i met uh, a friend for a couple of beers um which is like my way of decompressing in when you don't have time to like spend days at a spa decompressing i go out and uh, meet people for a couple of days so that was really fun um but where 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 was i what was i talking about oh yeah the rte piece so that, that's what's prompted me to make this i'm not sure by the way i'm very confused right now about how what's the best form of content for me so this this whole rte piece really got me jazzed up again about journalism um so rte which for those who don't know is ireland's national broadcaster there they have a show called prime time and they approached me for those who think i spend my days pitching irish media to get on tv that is not what i do uh they approached me a couple of weeks back saying we want to get some uh we we want to get some we want to get some like footage from israel i want to hear from israel what it's like going out of the pandemic and i was like yeah that sounds cool i'd be happy to do that um in general i wanted to go i wanted to go into journalism uh that was my plan i caught the writing bug from a young age really going back to my childhood i'm 32 years old now but when i even when i was a kid i used to be writing on the computer called the daniel times it was like a family newsletter i used to write write fake newspapers like kitty newspapers on paper and do you know what i mean like these so i could say i got into journalism when i was 19 and in college because that's when i started writing for student newspapers i also started up a news website the same year uh, that became quite a quite a big thing for a while locally at least called quirk student news that was when i was 19 but honestly just like it's in the blood it goes back to when i was a kid um it just excites me so much to uh share things and to story tell and to report um so if somebody approaches me and i have time to go on radio or do a bit of tv i'll do it like it's it's it's, it's for that reason it's because what i'm doing nowadays is like marketing writing and uh it's um it's not it it pays the bills and it's it's a job basically and there's i think there's so many uh former journalists and by i don't really consider myself a former journalist a a sort of journal like i plan to go into it i did a small bit of freelancing i studied journalism but i never actually succeeded in making it making it to uh, becoming a, a like an actual practicing journalist I, I did the closest I did when I moved to Israel I did a stint as a copy editor at the Jerusalem Post that's like uh, editing the the copy copy editor is a very interesting job it's like the fact checker for newspapers basically so I did that but it just wasn't financially viable uh, to do that and I think uh, unfortunately these days a lot of journalists just come to that conclusion it's you you can't it's the money has become so squeezed out of the industry that you just have to um, say at some point I need to make a living so I'm sort of someone who wanted to go into it 
isn't doing it i'm doing something related um but um i sort of if the media comes to me for a story or to help out with a story i'm really happy to do it just to like share and it's not again it's not about the fame or it's not about money often there's most times i'd say there's no literally no money attached to it um and it's just because if i'm here and i have the time available and i have a microphone i'm gonna tell people what it's like um so that's kind of what happened here rte came to me and um they said we want to do this piece from israel so i did this piece recorded their production team by the way is incredibly professional i was really impressed um their producer was like i don't know how these guys do their jobs doesn't make any sense to me so i know from having worked in pr that your average there the the pr industry has these guides the pr industry is obviously watching the media because that's their job to pitch the media so the if you if you pick up a pr periodical they produce these things called media guides and they keep track of producers and who's moving to which station and who's moving to which to which program etc and production teams are pretty lean and because journalism is in such a difficult state for a while here um the production teams aren't that big there's like four or five producers on a show like i'm not saying that prime time is four or five producers but that's the that's typically it there's a few producers and i just don't get it it's never made sense to me this producer philip gallagher who's an award-winning documentary maker with rte like he there's a thing called a pre-interview when a news station a tv station or radio brings you on and they don't just bring people on and throw them on the air they want to make sure they know what they're talking about and uh, they're they're capable of being on camera or on radio so they, they do this thing called a pre-interview and they kind of screen you so it's usually a few minutes but like this was like when i said yes i was not prepared it was like the most intense preparation for two minutes of television that you can imagine um i i, I say this actually like to the credit of rte that they really take what they do seriously um and it was yeah it was like pretty intense so yeah i'm not i'm not really sure now i'm in this kind of confused state of i've been writing for sorry to jump around topic a little bit but i've been writing for 13 years um as a former aspiring writer uh journalist now as a content marketer for a content mar- basically a content marketer not exactly but close enough for uh tech companies um and writing has become my sort of domain but um this experience has got me interested in audio and video and now i'm not sure because i'm the type of person that likes to reduce things to black i go in for black and white thinking and very reductionist thinking and i'm kind of having a hard time now wrapping my head around the various the pros and cons of video and tv and i have this definite sense that that's where everything is moving is in that direction of um audiovisual uh, i think text is always going to be there but i think text is going to be secondary um this is going way off topic from what i wanted to talk about but um i do i have the my hunch at the moment uh for those for those anybody interested is that i think 
uh, were going to arrive very soon. And you can, you can see this happening with Clubhouse in which um, the default media for uh, social, online social interactions, social networking, news, already it's already there with news actually, but it's going to be video audio. I think, and that's what, I, I'm not sure about whether video or audio is going to be more significant. Obviously, the, the advantage of audio right now is that you can listen to audio while you are um, you know, doing your laundry. But video, so video is more disruptive, but video is more engaging. Um, but I think if we do arrive at the stage where we're, where, we're, where we're all wearing these like smart glasses, that we might reach a point in which video is the de facto standard for communication and audio becomes like sort of almost, not like antiquated, but like secondary. And I think that the... Um, YouTube has this incredible captioning technology, automatic trans, automatic captioning now, and it works. I was I was blown away by it. Um, it works really, really well. So the technology is already there, and it's obviously only going to get better. Now I have I speak with an Irish accent, and it was still able to do like ninety percent, ninety five percent. Likewise, Rev, I use Rev for transcribing um, audio interviews for, 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 for my work, my professional work. And it's also like 90%, 95%. So here's my point. I think that we're going to get to a point where video is like the de facto standard of communication. And there's going to be, and audio for that matter, and there's going to be Tech, speech to text and automatic captioning that's going to be like secondary for people that want to consume content from a in a context in which they they can't just stream audio through a podcast or watch audio through video that's my prediction for the way things are going to go so we're going to we're going to move away from the landscape we have today in which sort of news is news online news is mostly transmitted through text social networking facebook twitter reddit quora are text-centric platforms and i think we're going to move to clubhouse is just the start of a new trend in which the social platforms are going to be centered around audio and text sorry audio and video and by the way i have a great idea for a video-based text network a video-based social network sitting on it right now um and text is going to be like you're at your job and you don't have your smart glasses on while you're working so you, you know double click to get a text transcription anyway that's so i i'm confused right now that's why i'm putting effort into podcasting and youtubing and but the kind of uh black and white anxious anxious thinker in me um has trouble with this uh, i'm struggling with it and i'm thinking i i need clarity on which is it i i have, I have a hard time accepting the fact that they're both going to have places I'm, I'm searching for the ultimate answer of which is the way forward but until i have that i will do a bit of both so um what i wanted to talk about and i'm gonna i'm going to have to retitle this podcast the few something like the future of audio and growing up jewish in ireland because I'm just looking at the time on my Audacity um, recording recording platform here. I'm already at 15 minutes, so already a substantial amount of, of what I plan to talk about has has gone into into me talking about other things. But um, I'll, I, I guess I can keep this podcast to a reasonable length if I because the truth is there there isn't a bunch to say 
about growing up Jewish in Ireland, but uh, today, because so I did this piece on RTE, Irish National TV, about um, Israel's emergence from the pandemic. Um, and it broadcasted yesterday evening at approximately 11.35 local time. Um, and it was just they rte edited so i i spoke to the producer as he said he was incredibly thorough recorded a few hours of video for them on patrick's day last week and they edited down literally an hour to two minutes they also did a zoom interview so actually probably an hour of footage plus a 30 minute zoom interview plus one hour of preparation reduced through very skillful editing to about two minutes of broadcast time crazy 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 uh but they did a really nice job um and unfortunately uh so i you know it was about midnight here and i my first concern was uh because i've been on tv before and lost the clip like i was on tv the news station deleted the clip from their website and i was like that would be kind of handy to have but i unfortunately um didn't get round to it so my first concern on this occasion was i want to just get the clip and i'm going to put it in my computer drive just to have a backup because i'm a backup guy so i did that i got i spent easier said than done because it's hard to extract video from websites and all that uh but i i figured it out edited out my part of the clip put that up went to bed um essentially but then I woke up to see what people were saying on Twitter and um, the reaction was very, very negative, very negative. Um, and it was just a clip about like it was me in the Irish bar in Israel showing um, the, the green pass as, as it's called here. That's the that's the app to show that you have had your vaccines. And it was going in, showing the uh, showing the green pass to the person at the door showing people in the Irish bar on Patrick's Day enjoying themselves, drinking beer. And the idea is in Ireland, Ireland's behind Israel in terms of uh, the vaccine rollout. So they're really interested in um, in seeing like how things are going here. So that was all the clip was. It wasn't, it wasn't really political. It was just kind of showing the Irish people who were interested in knowing what the, what the coronavirus um the vaccine rollout looks like in other countries showing them here's israel and then they did south africa then they did france that was the piece and it was a it was a nice nice little piece of journalism unfortunately because it's israel and because it's ireland people latched on to the fact that israel was being showcased as almost like a case study for ireland like look at israel look at how good they're doing and the reaction was really really negative and it's funny because i did a i i sent in commentary for a um to a uh broadcast newspaper in ireland a couple of weeks back and i also looked up what people said on twitter so this is kind of what i do i i'm just curious if i give commentary to media i want to see what people say um i'm at i'm at i'm at the level where i'm not exactly quoted in the news often enough that i'm inundated so if it's once every three months i can run a search and just see what people are saying about me and it was the same for the independent piece it it is the reaction from ireland in reaction to anything any of these news pieces saying look at israel and look at look at how well the vaccine response is the reaction can be summarized as 
it's forbidden to say anything good about Israel. Don't do that. We're going to remind you how terrible they are. So the, the, the themes that came across were mostly based on misinformation. There was, well, it would be nice for the Palestinians if they could get vaccines, despite the fact that the Palestinians have, uh, I believe, refused Israel's help in vaccines, in getting the vaccine program. The Oslo Accords say they are responsible for their own health system. They're getting uh, health. They're getting vaccines through the WHO. This is from what I understand. Maybe wrong about some of these details, but. So in response to these pieces in the Irish media saying, look at Israel and, you know, look at their vaccine response and isn't it so great? Um, just unbridled negativity from Ireland, from Irish Twitter accounts. I'm, and I'm not just Twitter, also talking about Facebook. Um, I even like sent on Patrick's Day when I was shooting these clips for the TV station, I sent a video clip up to Reddit saying uh, just just kind of showing hi guys happy patrick's day from from tel aviv and the the usual uh not all of them but free palestine responses and and that kind of thing so in ireland it's just like the anti the level of ferocity and hatred for israel that that comes online is just like so extreme it's just it, to use an irish expression it's, it's beyond the pale so it, likewise in reaction to um the my rte piece um it was tweeted by rte which for those who don't know is like ireland's main broadcaster so it's like the kind of npr of ireland it's a big deal it's a state state broadcaster um they tweeted it the programs tweeted it so like they tweeted it three times actually so it got a lot of like push and um i was just surprised that i wasn't looking for anti-semitism i wasn't looking for negativity but that's basically what i saw in terms of anti-semitism um they're both when i gave commentary to the newspaper a couple of weeks back um, and when I uh, sent in the, this clip that was broadcast on TV, on both occasions, people latched onto this bizarre comparison between the Green Pass, which is the app Israel has rolled out to, um, to basically, you know, this app shows you you've been vaccinated, and the Judah star um, that the Nazis, Yamach Shemam Vazichram, which means in Hebrew, may their memory be obliterated um that the nazis used to force jews to wear um to ostracize them from german society and mark them out as they were the people that were going to be exterminated so i i sorry i shouldn't laugh it's just such a disgusting disgusting despicable comparison that it wasn't just made by one or two people it was made by about 20 people and i find that very disheartening so this watching the reaction unfolds um in general when i when i'm writing and when i'm podcasting and sharing things it's um it's not there's not always a clear connection between like i, I this was something i've wanted to talk about for a while it's anti-semitism in ireland growing up jewish in ireland and it was just that this seemed like a good jumping off point so i wrote a blog about it um that just uh, that i think there's anti-semitism in ireland and this the, this this i guess what i'm saying is that like this was the immediate impetus but it wasn't the 
wasn't the real reason that I wrote this. It was something I've wanted to write for quite some time. So yeah, I mean, speaking of anti-Semitism in Ireland, being Jewish in Ireland. So I for, so I was born in Dublin, um, the capital of Ireland. Um, and I lived until I was 26, effectively, almost a couple of, a uh, little bit short of that, in Ireland. Um, and so I'm an Irish Jew. I'm an Irish-born Jew. Um, we've been living in Ireland we had been living in Ireland for a couple of generations my mother and my grandfather and my grandfather I love a shalom Fred Rosal ran the synagogue in Cork um, so this whole can of worms that came out of the RTE piece really brought back to memories the kind of stuff I've been witnessing from online Ireland for quite some time and by that i mean twitter i mean politics.ie i mean the comments on the journal but basically if you take this as a whole so i've always said there is a lot more anti-semitism in ireland than is said and irish jews and i'm obviously an irish jew i am like i'm a real irish jew i was born in ireland lived there most of my life i'm not an irish american half irish american half jewish i'm an actual Jew halachically religiously who was born in Ireland um, and the kind of party line for Irish Jews and by the party line I mean the kind of talking point that uh, the various spokespeople for the community have reiterated has been that oh there's very little anti-semitism in Ireland and we've been so treated so well and I don't deny that the Jews in Ireland have been treated have been treated well um, or, or tolerated or left to practice their religion but I do say that there's a anti-semitic fringe in Irish society that to deny it exists is stupid and I do think that those who have um, spun this narrative essentially sort of deny it they're like they're like Jewish anti-semitism deniers which is quite strange um so yeah, I mean, growing up, I, as a sort of uh, digital native, if you want to say that, was always watching these conversations on the journal and Twitter and seeing what people, seeing what Irish people had to say about Israel. And to be honest, it's 99.9% .9 negative. To say that there's a negative fringe would just be wrong. It, 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 it's, it's almost all of it is negative. Um, and it doesn't matter what Israel does. Um, like this, this is a good example of something Israel did that it, it just a two minute piece on television. And I think that that's what this is what really triggered the Israel haters and the anti Semites in Ireland is because I guess they, 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 they RTE almost endorsed the idea that Israel should be some kind of an example. It triggered people and um but it's always it's always been and there the there there are always um strong anti-semitic anti ideas endorsed anti-semitic canards like on the journal.ie in the comment section you'll see well the jews control america and there'll be like 400 likes and when i used to say this to irish jews who i knew um they, I would always be kind of, I wouldn't say silenced, but kind of ridiculed would be a better word. You know, that, well, you're spending too much time online and that's, you can't 
judge the whole of Irish people by what people say on what people write on the internet and I actually agree with that to an extent um I, I'm not saying here that the Irish are all anti-semitic or all people in Ireland are anti-semitic and I have good friends in Ireland who are definitely I I, I would be shocked if they harbored anti-semitic ideas as my fr- ideals as my friends um and I do think there is a difference between anti anti-israel political views you just don't agree with israel's politics we 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 may disagree about that but you can have your view there's definitely a big difference between that and anti-semitism but in ireland so much of the it seems to me as if so much of the anti-israelism is anti-semitism or is expressed in anti-semitic terms and i guess where myself and other irish jews differed was that I would look for years from the time I was like bar, bar mitzvah at 13 till when I left Ireland to 25 and I would see hundreds of news items about Israel in the Irish news drawing out endless vitriol many much of which enjoyed hundreds of likes from people and there's a point at which you say I get the point that the internet's not necessarily representative of the people but this is beginning to seem like quite a lot of people this isn't insubstantial this if it's a fringe this is a big fringe and to be honest when i looked at the reaction on twitter today i had the same feeling i wasn't looking for anti-semitism i wasn't looking for negative reactions it was just that almost all the reactions were negative and a good chunk were anti-semitic why on earth would you compare app to show your vaccinated status and the point of that is that venues will only let in people who are vaccinated so the people who are at risk of spreading the coronavirus will not spread it in order that the contagion will not spread in order to save lives how on earth could you compare that to a star slapped on jews by a those who wished for the complete elimination of the Jewish race to mark them out. The only reason you could possibly make that comparison is is to be as deliberately offensive as possible because you didn't like Jews. The International Holocaust Alliance says that, by definition, any comparison between Jew- the state of Israel and its actions and Nazism is by default anti-semitism and i i concur and again i'm not somebody that typically my first reaction to somebody who opposes israel is not to say they're anti-semitic i think there are people who use that charge too lightly i don't believe i'm one of them but when you make that comparison and when the first thing that you react the first thing you say when you watch two minutes of television showing israel leveraging its advanced medical system to get a good deal on vaccines rolling out the vaccines and using an app and when your reaction is shouldn't your people know better the jews to me that's anti-semitism so this was what i thought about twitter and it was saddening i i um 
I won't lie. I mean, I I take this and I think this really core this really cuts to an identity crisis I have as a person. And I know the pe- the people listening to my podcast don't don't really want to hear me psychoanalyzing myself. So I'll I'll keep this short and I'll, I'll wrap up this shortly. But um, it it really cuts to my discomfort with my identity as an Irish Jew because I see how can I feel Irish when the when it appears to me as if the Irish people are opposed to what is at the core of my identity my judaism and when they go to bat against israel the country i've chosen to live in and where i believe that jewish people uh the homeland of the jewish people that the jews should return to how can i possibly say i'm irish how can i possibly feel irish when that's the irish perspective so this is really something this that that's that's why i feel uh, uncomfortable with being an irish jew and that actually in large part ex- explains why i left ireland so i moved back we moved back to ireland my family when i was about 13 i did my bar mitzvah and uh, i just did an, another interview this has been this has been like a, a weird period of doing interviews with a with a, a friend here who now works at a website and they're profiling immigrants to israel and and she asked me did i want to be interviewed so i said sure i'll 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 give an interview for the for the reason i said at the start of this podcast i like sharing sharing stories including my own story i'm happy to and um you know um she it was about being an irish jew and um do i feel irish and why did i move here and i said really i'm a very very simplistic zionist i moved here because i think it's crazy for jewish people to at least not try to live in israel we have a jewish state we are a minority everywhere else in the world including the usa why wouldn't you want to live in your homeland if it exists if it's an option um so anyway when we got talking about ireland and i explained to her and i said basically it was like that we moved back and i don't remember when 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 i moved back to ireland feeling like an outsider but then at a certain point when i got into judaism really feeling like an outsider and really being cognizant of the fact that there was really no jewish community in the city i grew up in in cork despite the fact that my granddad my grandfather my late grandfather fed rosal of shalom very very with great tenacity uh kept the uh shul the synagogue in court going for many years despite the odds despite the fact that there was some presence um I, i i basically was reared on the internet and discovered jewish podcasts and jewish video shurim lessons thanks to the great work of rabbi ellie mansoor in in brooklyn amongst others who put who put out stuff on the internet um and through um discovering and then the birthright trip when i was 16 that was really the turning point when i came back from that and i just felt we are living in ireland as a almost non-existent minority I went to a, a secondary school where I was effectively the only Jewish kid um, in a school of like 500. Um, and I just felt very profoundly uncomfortable as being the only Jew. There was one teacher in the school who used to start lessons with tirades against Israel and their alleged 
mistreatment of the Palestinians. And that had nothing to do with the curriculum. And I just had to sit there day after day and listen to this. And it's just things like this that I just felt like this is pathetic. There's a Jewish world out there besides Ireland. We could be living in London. And I, I, I won't lie, I felt some kind of resentment towards my own family for having chosen to settle in this place. Um, and when I went on this trip to Israel and saw that there were, I didn't, there were places I could live where I wasn't the only Jewish person. If I wanted to date Jewish girls, I could. There was no reason to be in this situation. And as he said, I felt kind of anger towards my family. Um, but just complete disconnect. It, that was the first stage. And then when I went to Israel on birthright, I just felt complete disconnection um, to diaspora Judaism in all its guises. Whether that's diaspora Judaism in London, diaspora Judaism in New York. And that's kind of still my perspective to this day. Um, I do think, and this, this is where my, my viewpoint is a little more maybe nuanced than um you might expect i do think it's okay for okay i do think it's it's understandable that um israelis and olim jews who moved to israel would want to live outside of israel for a period for professional reasons there's israelis who actually go to ireland to work and to because the salaries are better the opportunities are better um but i think that home is in israel and that was when after it was after the trip to Israel specifically that I said that I just became opposed to diaspora Judaism. That e e even if Cork had nothing, but you could live somewhere like London where you could have a Jewish community, you still had to sort of live in these ghetto-like surroundings of Jewish neighborhoods and seek out one of few kosher restaurants and and sort of be this tiny um, speck insular spec insular community amongst a sea of of non-jews and that's ultimately going to bring that's ultimately going to attract resentment i believe that formula breeds resentment because people don't like other people that cut themselves off they view it as kind of a snub so that that that's when my thinking changed and to be honest it hasn't really changed now that i live in israel my viewpoints about israel are much more nuanced i see that there are so many challenges here and my passion has shifted to being an advocate for change in Israel, making this country better. But I've moved past the point of even really thinking about life in the Jewish diaspora as a permanent thing for me. It's this is the place that we need to be as Jews. This is a place that we should be. And that's really all there is to be said about it. So being Jewish in Ireland, I moved there. I was initially happy. I do think Ireland's a good country despite like how, how how can i be totally supportive of ireland when it's so negative about israel and judaism as a jew that's the as as a jew and a zionist how can i be 100 percent for but what i will say is that i do think it's a good country i do think it offers a good quality of life i do think irish people are by and large nice people i have great friends in ireland i look forward to visiting i do think there are great things about the irish culture the irish crack the just there's a there's a uniqueness to irish culture and it's a good country but the israel thing's kind of a kind of a problem for me so it was when i came back and i kind of initially firstly became jewishly observant i and this was the thing it's just like judaism and 
Israel are such um, the word that springs to mind and I think this interview bore it out is verboten it's like verboten to talk about Jews it's like verboten to say anything that isn't critical about Israel in Irish society that um, I felt so suppressed so almost closeted that to even talk about my Judaism to not hide that and to talk about wanting to keep kosher and that, that was those are the directions I was moving in after my trip to Israel I wanted to start keeping kosher I wanted to start keeping Shabbat and the only possibility for Jewish life in a, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a milieu like this that existed in Ireland is to negate your Judaism and to assimilate and to denounce to to an extent without actually denouncing almost like a Murano existence um in in Spain not congruous with Jewish pride with being proud about who you are and ultimately I think that's that's very problematic so um firstly that was the first thing that felt wrong for me then when then then once I kind of had this awakening to Zionism and to the idea that there is a Jewish homeland and, and really how significant that is when I realized that the whole country was going to bat against Israel. And again, Ireland, what strikes me about Ireland's relationship with Israel, at least on the political level, is the fierce, the fierce ferocity of it, the, the vitriol that is poured towards Israel. It's unlike the anti-Israel discourse that you see emanating from other quarters, which, as he said, by itself is not necessarily anti-Semitic or unreasonable. But when it comes from Ireland, it seems to be tinged to this extreme hatred. And uh, as was evidenced by the reaction, I got to a two-minute clip showing how Israel is emerging from lockdown, saying that, well, isn't that the same thing as the the star is a Jew, the... The Germans slapped on the Jews. Like, what? Where is that coming from? And to me, I think that side of it's coming from anti-Semitism, very simply, um, and hatred. So my experience as an Irish Jew, I don't really identify as particularly Irish. I feel like being Jewish always marked me out as not really Irish. And thus, I can't really feel Irish when I'm not regarded as Irish. This is my perception. Feel free to call me an extremist or whatnot. But um, I don't feel like it's... it's There are Jewish identities that are, con- that are more congruous, like to be an Irish American. And I guess in one sense, maybe it's sort of a blessing that um, I was born into one that really didn't feel right for me. And I think for a lot of people, it feels so so uh, obviously wrong that it's almost like comedic like who's ever heard of an irish jew um and i think that's what's the core of me is is judaism i don't feel by the way israeli despite the fact i've been living here for six years um i I feel like that's a slow assimilation and there are also things that prevent that for me such as i there are things about israeli culture i really really don't like um and i've written about those so I, I'm in this weird, weird place, but I would say I'm Jewish. I'm trying to do the best I can in life. I think Israel's home for Jews. Um, I've I, I've been sort of disgusted by the reaction coming out of Ireland towards Israel. 
continue to be so it's hard for me to really identify with ireland and with that uh with that with that culture although there's uh, that's where i was born and the passport i hold and i wish sort of i think it's it's besides the israel stuff a good country but hard for me to say with pride i'm an irish jew because of that um am i an israeli jew don't really feel like that yet but i feel like that's a transition that may happen but you can't just change your identity by jumping on an airplane and getting off the airplane i think it's a much much slower process and even even being here for six years i genuinely feel like i'm in the early stages of that transition i was just saying to my friend razel who I mentioned earlier, the the lady that interviewed me, who I went to Ulpan with here, language school, I feel like I'm just starting in Israel. Like, I actually feel like I'm just getting going, like I'm just warming up here. Um, so that those are my thoughts on my identity, my conflicted identities, an Irish Jew, on what it was like growing up Jewish in Ireland, on anti-Semitism. Again, I'm going to cut myself off because I see I'm at 45 minutes, but there was really, a, I, I felt that I had a lot to unpack in this episode. So um, it's gone 15 minutes over my target length. Anyway, thanks for listening. Um, there will be another episode of the podcast soon um, on less contentious topics, hopefully. Um, and if you want to subscribe, you can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Stitcher and other podcatchers. Thanks for listening.